everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Entree Pastors podcast. Happy Monday to you for those of you that are listening to this show on the day of its release. We, this year in 2024, Les and I committed to a daily podcast, We're at least for the first 90 days of the year. We're experimenting what does it look like to have a daily show minus Sundays. And some of these episodes, the majority of through the week, are kind of short-form content. That's another experiment within the experiment we're testing is, you know, does the short-form content hit a target a little bit better than the long-form, kind of hour-long podcast that we normally do, 45 minutes to an hour uh, on Fridays? That's kind of been the thing since we started, and we're just experimenting with some new strategies here. So still would love to hear your thoughts and feedback on this as we are right in the middle of this experiment. Uh, I'm having fun with it. It is a lot of work uh, to produce a daily show, but uh, we're we're just curious to see how well this serves our community. So again, feel free to sound off. Thank you for those of you who have already reached out to share your feedback. All right, so here's how I'm going to package this next four episodes, this Monday through Thursday in this little mini series of podcast episodes I want to have a conversation around the topic of new wineskins. Now, this has nothing to do with wine or wineskins. It's a biblical reference that we'll unpack in just a minute. If you're a pastor, chances are you absolutely already understand the reference. But before we get to that, let me set the stage uh, by sharing this with you. Recently, well, let me go back before recently. A while back, like last year sometime, maybe even longer ago, I did a purge on social media. I just got out of so many uh, like private Facebook groups that I was in for years. I was in a lot of different Facebook groups with pastors and um, and just I just got tired of all the noise and some of the stuff I'm getting ready to share with you in a minute. And so there was a while uh, back that I just got out of everything. I, I was like down to almost zero private Facebook groups that I was a part of. I just wanted to clean up my newsfeed and and shut off some of the noise. Well, recently, uh, I started to re-engage some of those groups at some encouragement from some friends, one in particular that uh, I gave a blessing to start inviting me in back into some of these uh, conversations and and pastors groups of various kinds, and uh, I have quickly been reminded why I got out of those groups in the first place. What I'm getting ready to say is going to sound a little negative, and it'll get better, I promise, but I'm just going to say it like it is. I'm convinced that some of the meanest places on Facebook are groups of pastors. If if you're listening to this and you're a pastor and you are participating in the ugliness that's happening in some of those groups, knock it off. Man, I can't, I I don't know. There's probably some meaner corners of the internet that we could find, but um, here's what I find so often in these groups that I engage in. I'll get into these groups and I'll share a thought, a question, something that's you know kind of a conversation starter uh, that that's guiding people toward a conversation around the themes that we help people with with entree pastors. And ah man, almost instantaneously the comments start coming in. And I'm painting with a broad brush. There certainly are exceptions, but many of the comments they're mean, they're small minded, they're fault finding, you know, not even directed directly at me, but I just watched the conversation happening in these groups from one pastor to another, just finding fault. And there's kind of this word that has been in my head in recent weeks and months since rejoining and kind of re-engaging in some of these conversations among pastors on social media. And it's the word old wineskins. 
that's technically two words, maybe three words, but you know what I mean? That's, that's the, uh, something that just keeps popping into my head as I see these conversations. By the way, I'm starting to collect, <laughs> I'm collecting some of these comments. I actually have a folder. I'm starting to put screenshots of some of them into, I'm debating maybe someday I'll create some content around them. It's, it's great inspiration for content. Um, but I, I started thinking about this and thought, you know what, let's have a conversation around this idea of being an old wineskin versus a new wineskin, because I believe as pastors, we, we don't want to become old, crusty wineskins. There's plenty of those out there, and I'm not trying to be mean, but if you're wondering, if you're totally lost, going, why does he keep talking about wineskins? Well, I'll give you some homework. I'm not going to unpack all of this. Uh, you all have heard this. You've probably preached sermons around it, but Luke chapter 5, verses 37 and 38, Jesus said, no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Back in the day, you know, they sold like goat skins together and made like a a bladder, if you will, kind of a sack. And he said, otherwise the new wine will burst the skins and the wine will run out and the wine skins will be ruined. No, he says, new wine must be poured into the new wine skins. So uh, again, part of the fermenting process, if you put new wine into an old wine skin, as that fermentation happened and the expansion took place, it would ruin that wine skin. And so he's he's comparing the Pharisees. Here's the point. He's directing his statement about old wineskins to the religious establishment, the leaders of the religious establishment of his day. It was the leaders of the Pharisees. The, the, and this was the group that gave him the most opposition. We could argue it's the group that should have been the fastest to recognize Jesus incarnate, the, the coming Messiah who was there in the flesh. They should have been the first to recognize it. They were the last and still in many cases did not uh, recognize or acknowledge or worship and honor Jesus for who he was. Um, in my study Bible, it just gives a simple note. It says, like old wineskins, the Pharisees were too rigid to accept Jesus, who could not be contained in their traditions or rules. Christianity required new approaches, new traditions, and new structures. And it goes on to explain that further. But that's what I'm talking about when I say old wineskins. I see, as I look out on the landscape of the church in the West, in the, in the United States of America, and many, many pastors, they're getting older in years, and I don't care about the age you are. Age is just a number. What I care more about is the rigidity that has set in. Is that a word, rigidity? I think it is. The rigidness that has set in in the thinking and the actions of so many pastors. And so in the next few days, starting today, I want to label four statements, if you will, about old wineskins. And I want to challenge you, pastor, if you're listening to this, my hope for you, my prayer for you is that you're not one of those old wineskins. I think it's possible to be a seasoned veteran pastor with many decades under your belt. Just because you've been doing it for a long time doesn't automatically make you an old crusty wineskin. Um, you can be an old crusty wineskin with two years experience, depending on how you think and how you act and all of that. So this isn't about how old you are. There probably is a correlation. If we were to put it all on a chart and a graph that the older you are, the longer you've been doing it, the higher probability you might fall into that label being worthy of that label of being an old crusty wineskin. And I hope that's not true of you, but, um, I want to make some statements about, what I see in old wineskins, and then we'll talk about how we can avoid being that. And 
why am I talking about this with entree pastors, by the way? Well, it's not disconnected. Like some of, <laughs> I would contend some of the greatest opposition that we're getting to our message today comes from the religious establishment, pastors that have been doing it for a really long time. And the reason I'm taking that on is because if those voices run unchecked, some of you will cower to that. Some of you will care more about the perception and being accepted in these groups and not wanting to rock the boat. Well, I'm here to rock the boat a little bit. I'm okay if the boat rocks. I'm okay if we offend some crusty wineskins, and that's fine. I'll call it out, and I want to give you guys permission to stay pliable, to stay new in your wineskinnedness. I know that's not a word, but check this out. Check this out. Here's the first statement that we're going to make today. I'm keeping an eye on the clock. I don't want this to go too long, so let me get to the content for day one here of this little series I'm, the first statement I'm going to make about old wineskins is this. Old wineskins fail to recognize a new move of God. Was that true of the religious establishment of Jesus' day? 100% truth. The Pharisees did not recognize. Not only did they not, did they not recognize Jesus for who he was, they opposed him to the point of death. They completely missed it. The ones who had been given the responsibility, the charge of being the leaders, of standing in the gap between God and mankind, they completely missed the living Son of God when he was right under their nose and, and led fierce opposition against him. Well, let me share this verse with you. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19, y'all know this, right? Forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a what thing? Y'all know what it says? I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. That's our God who we serve. He does new things. He does not always stay in the same rut. Now he's changeless from the standpoint of his truth. And his message does not change. There are, there are certain aspects of our God that are timeless and unchanging, and that's why we love and worship him. Yes and amen. And yet the strategies, the tactics, the, the approaches that we take, the different traditions in different seasons of history and different cultures around the world of how we approach the message of who God is and getting that message out to the world those things need to constantly be up for review, up for renegotiation, up for changing. And that's what I want to challenge you in this. Do you, Pastor, here's a question for you. Do you honestly believe that God desires for you to do church or do ministry exactly the same way that church and ministry were being done and being thought of back when you were in Bible college and seminary? I mean, chances are he wanted to rethink things even back then, potentially. Maybe we were at the end of a life cycle on a good idea back when you were in Bible college and seminary and just getting started in your professional, vocational, pastoral career. Chances are he wasn't real excited about you leaning into some of those ideas back then. What makes you think that two decades, three decades, four, five decades later, God still desires for church to be done exactly that same way and ministry to look exactly the same as it did in the days when you started. You don't think he's done any new things? You don't think that there's any new move that God is, is doing in the world today? Again, I'm not talking about changing our message. Don't come at me with that. 
Why am I talking about this on an Entree Pastors podcast where we primarily deal with kind of that intersection of ministry and money, like business, ministry, and marketplace, because so much of what hinders people from leaning into that is not their need for more income. They know they need it. They know that with each passing year, they're getting closer to their retirement age and they're not set up well for it because years ago, someone told them to opt out of Social Security. And years ago, someone told them, if you really love the Lord and have a calling on your life, you'll just sacrifice. And years ago, somebody told them that just believe God and have faith. And and they've done all those things faithfully. And God has provided and met their daily needs. And yet they find themselves in a situation where they know they need more money. It's not the knowledge of their need that is keeping them from moving forward. It is running into the limited thinking that comes from old crusty wineskins that stand in their way and say, it can't be done like this. Well, I've said for a long time, I believe the church of the future is going to look radically different than the church of the past. And I am not talking about because we're preaching a different Jesus or a different gospel message. There is one gospel truth. And that is timeless and is unchanging, and I would die for that message. I will not die for strategies. I will not die for tactics. I will not die for mindsets around what church is supposed to look like, what pastoring is supposed to look like. I think we have been given way more freedom by our Lord and Savior than we've ever been given by the crusty wineskins, the religious establishment, the system that has gone on before us. I honor the crusty wineskins and the establishment and the system for the good things that were built. I'm not saying burn it all down, but I am saying we serve a God of new things. We serve a God who is doing a new thing. And it is not only okay, it is necessary for us as leaders in that movement to constantly be checking in and innovating and pioneering and trying new things and being willing to to step out in new ways. And at the very least, for God's sake, not criticizing other people who are, even if we're not willing to take those steps, even if we're not willing to take that risk of what are other people going to think about me? That's new. That's scary. What if it doesn't work? At the very least, stop shooting arrows at the, the men and women who are brave enough to step out and go, I'll try something new. I know it's not conventional. I know nobody taught this in my seminary classes or my Bible college training, but it's a new day. What if God's doing a new thing? So that's where I'm going to wrap it up today. I want to challenge you, Pastor. I believe God is doing a new thing, and I believe it's high time for the church to get about the business of adapting and changing, and I'm giving you full permission to do that, whether your board likes it, whether Gladys likes it, whether your seminary professors thought it was a good idea, regardless of who the leaders in your denomination or space, what they think about it, Pastor, I'm giving you permission to lean in to this God who does new things on a regular basis and believe that maybe you get to be a part of some of those new things and innovate, take a risk, try something new. And if that means starting up a business for you, and or maybe even in some cases, transitioning altogether into a new season of ministry that doesn't even have you in a pulpit or in a church office. I'm not prescribing that for everybody, but for some of you, maybe that's your story in this season. And if so, we want to help you do that. Hey, I want to give you a free resource. We have a get started guide. If you go to entrepastors.com forward slash start, you can get our free get started guide. And that'll kind of get you some pointers of just taking some action steps down this road. 
If there's anything we can do to be of service to you, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. Find us at entrepastors.com and connect with us through the website there. That'll do it for today. God bless, guys. We will be back tomorrow with part two of this series. (laughs) 